Welcome to Sitcom Geeks. I'm Dave Cohen. And I'm James Carey. And we are joined uh, for this uh, podcast uh, live from uh, all the way from Los Angeles. And uh, it's the second time he's guesting on our show, actually. He was the winner of our uh, 10-page challenge competition from uh, 2019. God, that seems like eons ago. And it was, wasn't it? So we're very pleased. Um, One whole pandemic ago. <laughs> We're very pleased to have uh, Peter C. Haywood back on the show. Hi, Peter. Hello. Thank you so much for having me back. Yeah. Now, um, I guess um, last time we spoke to you, um, you were just just moved out to LA, and I think the, the lockdown had just started, and so you probably <laughs> you're sitting in exactly the same place uh, you were sitting uh, a year ago, I guess. Uh, have you actually moved at all from that chair in that time? <laughs> I've got a whole new perspective on life. I rotated my desk 90 degrees since the last time we spoke. Ah. So it, it's a whole world. You, you couldn't even imagine the, the different life I'm living now. The feng shui of LA there. It'd be interesting um. to know from your point of view. I mean, you moved there to, you know, to get work, to be a screenwriter, um, uh, you know, as well as develop board games and all that kind of stuff. Um, how what has been happening in the last year there because obviously nothing's much been happening in the uk and i know that california have kind of locked down fairly heavily but from a screenwriting point of view what how does it feel from a screenwriting point of view i could have not moved to la and been in the exact same spot uh so i i, I got i got here to network and to meet hollywood people and all that kind of thing and so far have not done that so my my timing was was as bad as it could possibly be um, or or comic. I actually, yeah. <laughs> uh, yesterday actually, so I'm fully vaccinated now. I had my second shot and I've waited the two week period. And so I am, I am free to roam the earth and, and touch people's faces and sneeze on them as much as I want, basically. And so yesterday, another person in Hollywood who's also vaccinated and I went for coffee for the first time since I moved here. So as, as of yesterday, I've actually had a reason to be in Hollywood. We are <laughs> right. thrilled to be able to celebrate that with you. We are. And um, so the reason we, we know, actually, that you have been very busy, and in fact, the reason that we're, we're uh, talking to you again on the show is because, uh, well, it's all about Night Crew, really, your winning script. So would you like to tell us what has happened with Night Crew since, uh, you, uh, since we last spoke to you? So since you last spoke to me, I have uh, gone through a bunch of script development on it and I in fact hired you guys to help me script edit it because you two kind of know what you're talking about when it comes to sitcoms it turns out and so that was incredibly helpful and then I hired a casting director and I got a, a bunch of people to come in uh, to, and I got a bunch of people to record the parts in the script and then I edited it together and released it so the pilot of Night Crew is actually online free for download right now at nightcrewpodcast.com Wow, wow. smooth. You, you really, that's spoken like a true LA person <laughs> and not like an Australian, you know, who's just like, yeah, oh, it's on the internet somewhere. You find it. What the hell's wrong with you? Yeah. Um, we, um, send that link through to us again uh, uh, and we will put it on the, uh, we'll, we'll put it out with the podcast, with the notes uh, as well. So, uh, so let's, what, what link Dave is at nightcrewpodcast.com or you can search any podcast catcher for night crew. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'll send you nightcrewpodcast.com. Not a problem. There it is again. Well, but if you don't want us to put it out there, well, we won't, but you know. <laughs> so the question is, you know, what, what was the plan? Why, why have you recorded it yourself? What, you know, cause I, I was thinking earlier today, there are lots of reasons that people make their own stuff. And that's something that we've probably changed our views on a little bit in the last few years. Me in particular. I think Dave's always been in favor of it. Um, and 
I was saying to some folk earlier today about the fact that some people go off and make their own stuff because it's like, I've written this thing, it's amazing, and no one wants to do it, and I will prove everybody wrong and make it myself. <laughs> um, and so that's probably a bad reason to do it, but that's, that's not your reason. Uh, what, why have you gone to the bother and the expense of actually making this, uh, making your script as, a, as an audio comedy sitcom? So there's, there's sort of two or three main reasons. Um, as, as you guys know, but the listener may not, I run a board game company, Jellybean Games, and we produce and publish board games. And most of our catalogue is my designs. And so it's very common in board games that someone's like, I've made a board game and no one wants to publish it, so I'll just publish it myself. And that's the trap I never wanted to fall into with board games. So especially when I was starting out, a lot of the board games that we published were stuff that I knew other publishers were interested in, but I thought, thought, thought I could do it all myself. So honestly, winning the the competition that you guys ran was a huge boost in that direction. I was like, okay, it's not just me being in love with my own script. This is actually worth making like, you know, some, some industry professionals who read a lot of scripts and had a competition. They, they let this one win. So that by itself was, it was a big green flag for me that I wasn't just being like, well, I want to make this, but uh, you know, maybe no one else will. So that was definitely part of it. Um, the second thing is that because I do run a company, I'm kind of used to making stuff and I'm, I'm, I, sort of used to control but more than that i i want to eventually be a showrunner so i don't know if the term exists in the same way in, in the uk but in, in the us the person who you know runs the show is a showrunner so that's the head writer and they oversee a team of writers and they also as well as writing it well the showrunner and the head writer can be two different roles but the showrunner is, is kind of in charge of the show and so they are in charge of what the final casting looks like and what the sets look like and all this kind of stuff which is i mean it sounds daft but they literally run the show and so in the, yeah, in the yeah. UK, for our UK <laughs> listeners, you know, we, our heritage is usually the, 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 the famous sitcom is written by two guys who were at school together and some guy called Sidney Lotterby, who's produced every British sitcom uh, for a 30 year period, picks it up and produces it in between a series of this and a series of that. Um, and the writers sort of may turn up to the filming or they may not. They're probably there for a rehearsal. They might do some rewrites and then they go home. And then they watch it go out on TV. And it's very much the producer's medium. Um, and movies are the director's medium. And, but American TV is the writer's medium. They are the producer, the exec producer. They run the, they run the whole show. It feels like sort of four jobs in one. And it's sort of a job that I like the idea of, but wouldn't actually like to do, I don't think. But that's something that you, you'd really like to do. Yeah, just just to say, actually, it is starting to happen now in the UK, and in fact, it's becoming more. The word showrunner is 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 definitely out there more. And of course, we have uh, uh, Jesse Armstrong who has, is out in LA now, and he's the showrunner uh, on Succession. So um, you know, there, there there is a bit of kind of cross cross fertilization symbiosis whatever so um and also in the um, uk in drama it's become increasingly a thing as well so people yeah. now know that you were actually formerly ex-sitcom writers like stephen moffat you know uh, so he's sort of a showrunner now uh, but anyway there's yeah. peter he's in la wants to become a showrunner he's written a great script called the night crew and you decide now, to make it so i i i figure if, if i want to be a showrunner and i want to you know learn those skills the best way to learn anything is to do it so i thought okay well let's let's make this and that way i'll learn about a little bit of directing and casting and 
and producing and all that kind of stuff. The thing that really tells me that the UK doesn't have the same showrunner background is Red Dwarf. In the first, I think, two seasons of Red Dwarf, uh, the, the, the main room where, they, where most of the stuff takes place is entirely grey. And I remember reading something with uh, Doug Naylor uh, when he was saying that, like, they, they just wanted a, 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 a splash of colour somewhere. So they're like, can you add a picture frame? And so the set people went out and put a picture frame up and painted it grey. And they're like, no, can you, can you add a shelf? So they added a shelf and some books and painted them all grey. And it wasn't until the third season when they had kind of proven themselves. And that, that's when the, the main set changes to that lovely white set. And the, the in-universe in explanation is they moved to the officers' quarters or something like that. But really what had happened was that, uh, you know, uh, Rob Grant and Doug Naylor had finally got enough control that they could say, okay, here's what we're going to look like. So because I wanted to learn how to show run, I figured I would run a show. And so I produced the pilot myself just to, just to learn all those skills. And then the, the third reason is just that I, as a portfolio piece as much as anything, like I, I'm, I'm in the process in, in the Hollywood um, ladder of, I'm, I'm, I'm off the ladder. I'm, I'm desperately leaping and trying to grab the bottom rung of the ladder, which is a lot of blind inquiries to managers being like, hey, I've read a script, read my script. And if you like it, maybe represent me. And so I figured, you know, emailing them saying, yes, I wrote a script, here's a script. Also, just to show that, like, you know, just to stand apart and have something that you can click on and listen to rather than have to sit down and read it, which, as I'm sure you guys can understand, is not the most fun jumping into a million scripts that you don't know, you know, saying, hey, click on this link and you can listen to an entire episode of a show that I produced and that'll give you a better idea of my uh, comedy and, and, and uh, quality of writing than anything I, you know, any script that I send you. Yeah. So I think there's all really good reasons to do it. It just kind of sets you apart. Um, it just, it, yeah, it gives somebody something to click on. They've got a ton of scripts, and therefore, you know, it just means that they, they're more likely to listen to this as they're doing the washing up or uh, driving around. And they, they, you can't read a script when you're driving, even in LA, I believe. <laughs> although the traffic doesn't move. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, maybe it's the perfect place to read a script. But, <laughs> yeah. but I think that's <laughs> what's um. So so um. So you kind of. Uh, uh, have you, you have a script and then you have a, a produced show. So how did you, how, uh, how, what was it like, especially given that you were doing this all sort of during the pandemic? So kind of talk, talk us through the process then from I have a script to I have a show. So it's really easy. You just, you just go to uh, just go to the website, upload a script, wait ten minutes, and it comes out as a fully produced audio show. I don't know why everyone doesn't do this. It's actually it's it's so simple. <laughs> uh, so, well, yeah. the, the first thing I did from, from finishing this, uh, so the first thing I did from, from winning the contest was say, okay, so this script, you know, I, I did the episode with you guys and you're like, yeah, it's good, but here's a bunch of notes. And I was like, oh, let's, let's try to address those notes. So um, I actually did get you guys on as, as uh, script editors and, and we went through the, the notes process there, which was really interesting because I've, I've never done that before. I've only ever written like in a vacuum. So to jump on a call, I, I write everything down on post-it notes. And by the end of that conversation, I had a... Uh, an entire desk covered with about 75 post-it notes that I was like, this will be, this will be fun to sort through. And it was. So I, I kind of went through and, and, you know, but most, most of the notes were plot and character based. So I went through and rejiggered the plot and rejiggered the characters and, and really focused on the dynamic and honed in and cut, 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 cut as much as I could basically. Uh, so once it was at the point where I was like, okay, this is, this is as good as I can get it. I started reaching out to actors and I had some people in mind that I wanted and, no one responded just <laughs> i would email people and i would you know use their public emails and be like hey look I'm, I'm a real person who does real things you can go look at my board game website and just not not a no i would have been okay with a no but just nothing just complete radio silence 
So I'm, I'm in a screenwriting Discord, and I just posted there being like, no one's responding. Why am I so uncool? I thought I'd gotten cool over all these years. And, and someone said, why don't you hire a casting director? Hmm. And to me, casting directors, they were like, you know, they're, they're a thing that proper companies hire that I could never possibly interact with a casting director. That's a real thing for real professionals. But I found the LA casting director's website. They have a, po- a they have a, they have a section where you can post job listings. I posted a job listing. A few people contacted me. I jumped on calls with all of them. I found one who I liked, and he liked me, and he liked the script, and he signed on. So he's uh, he helped me out. And so I, I actually just I started by just giving him that list of like here's the people I reached out to, and he <laughs> rather than reach out to the public email addresses, went through the agent directory and found out who represented them and contacted their agents, and then their agents passed it on to the clients and so on and so forth. And by the end of it, I had. I think all but one of my Dreamcast signed on. And then for the, for the other parts that I didn't have a Dreamcast for, he just posted open auditions and all these professional voice actors uh, who I, I've discovered just spend all day auditioning. This is what voice actors do. They audition for 90% of the time and actually do parts for the other 10%. So I, I just had a, a big pile of people to listen to and I picked out my favorites from them. And it's funny, I, I picked out my favorites not knowing who they were. So I was like, man, this, this voice is perfect. This voice is perfect. And then hired them and then found out that they were actually like relatively big names in the in the world of voice acting wow well that's good that you clearly have a good ear for that um you've used the word hire so we should without getting into detailed numbers clearly money was changing hands so how did you how did you work out how much to spend on this kind of thing um what (laughs) what you know because because the temptation is always pull in favors, mates rates, all that kind of stuff that you're just, you know, but that, that wasn't really an option, especially because you, you know, you didn't, you didn't know anyone where you'd move to. And also you want to, you want to do the right, the right thing, which is pay people. <laughs> it should certainly be tried. So how did you, how did you kind of calibrate that? Yeah. So it was sort of a two stage process at the start. I was like, okay, here's how much. I imagine it'll cost just pulling out a number out of nowhere and looking at my finances, looking at my various, you know, uh, how, how much I could afford to put into it and said, okay, here's how much it would cost if I was, you know, here's, here's how much I'd be happy to put into it to just have something made. I guess, I guess that's the fourth reason I wanted to make this as well as, you know, networking and, and portfolio piece and all that. I just wanted to make it. I think it's, I think it's a cool show that I wanted to exist and, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll die a slightly happier man knowing that I made this thing. Um, and so I, I said, okay, look, if, 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 if I can just have this exist, I'd put $2,000 into it. If I could have this exist with like my Dreamcast, who I would imagine would be more expensive, I'd put up to $5,000. This is all US dollars. Yeah. So uh, I actually sat down with a friend of mine who's, who's more into finances, and we, we just kind of sketched out like, what would this probably cost? What could this cost, et cetera? And that's how we came up with those two numbers. And so when I sat down and spoke to my casting director, I was like, look, here's one number if it's just anybody in it, like, you know, just a good voice actor who doesn't bring any kind of audience. And here's my dream cast who have their own, like, established audiences who would potentially click through and watch the show. And we ended up almost exactly hitting that latter one. So the whole, the whole pilot cost me about $5,000. Uh, there right. are a few upfront expenses in that, like artwork and theme song and the casting director, which wouldn't be per episode. So subsequent episodes will cost less than that. But the first one was about 5000 Okay. And that, that's great that you were kind of comfortable with that number and, you know, and you've got a quality product. And in a way, I guess, you know, th- there's a future for it, which we'll get to in a minute uh, in terms of Kickstarter and all that kind of stuff in terms of recouping. Yeah. We'll get to that. But first, let's just talk about the, you know, lessons learned uh, on, <laughs> I mean, admittedly, m- making a show during lockdown is hopefully a lesson we don't particularly want to have to keep learning, but there would be other lessons as well. What, 
what 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 did you come out of what did you come away with well lockdown was interesting because it was a little bit easier to reach these people because normally they're going to events and they're you know going on set and they're doing all this kind of stuff whereas and this was this was not at the start of lockdown this was about 6 months in but Everyone was just kind of sitting around happy to take on work maybe cheaper than they would have otherwise. So I suspect a lot of these people, I got cutthroat rates for them, like like you were saying, mates rates, because they like the script or they like mm. the idea, or because they were sitting around bored being like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll do a, a wacky sci-fi comedy, why not? So lockdown sort of worked in my favor. I think if I'd done it the year before or even a year from now, I would struggle to get these people... And even if they did do it, they'd be like, well, look, for this to be worth it, I'd be, you know, passing up a day's work, mm. I don't know, going going to wherever reasonably famous people go and, and get paid more money than I can offer. So uh, lo- lockdown was, was a bit of a boon in that in that regard. Um, the, uh, give me a second. One thing that definitely didn't help with lockdown is that I think all of these people are very used to going to a studio and having an engineer there. So everyone was sort of setting up their own mic at home and there weren't, there was nothing, you know, unfixable, but in the final audio, we definitely had to do a little bit more massaging than we would have if we'd gone to a studio and just had a tech there to record the whole thing. Because, you know, there was audio spiking and there was background noise and there was uh, (laughs) one actor had a dog in the background and we always stopped when the dog was barking and retook, but it was definitely all a little bit more complex and and difficult than it would have been otherwise. One actor in particular, we had to re-record three times uh, uh, the whole thing. And in the end, we actually went to a studio just just to make sure we could absolutely definitely get it. And then the studio messed up the recording, so we had to go back again. So it just wow. it got a little bit silly. <laughs> Whereas if 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 I if it hadn't been lockdown, we would have been going to the same studio from the start and kind of ironed out these kinks right so, from the get go. Yeah. yeah. So those those sort of the, the advantages sort of cancelled out by the the disadvantages, maybe. Um, maybe uh, kind of. I, I, I think the, the advantage of, of getting these amazing actors was way more than the difficulty of doing it, but it was a difficulty okay. that wouldn't have existed otherwise, for oh, yeah. sure. Uh, great, they're great casts. Uh, really, some really funny people in there. I thought, having having heard the uh, that the initial uh, pilot, I thought it was very very strong. Um, Thank you. I'll, I'll do some name dropping. We got um, <laughs> the voice of Tommy Pickles from Rugrats, E.G. Daly. She was also on Friends. She was Phoebe's best friend who co-wrote Smelly Cat. So she is uh, one one of the, one of the characters. We got Debbie Derryberry, who's the voice of Jimmy Neutron. And the little green men from Toy Story. Whoa! And then we got some uh, some YouTube celebrities. So we got uh, Pro ZD or Sangwon Cho, who's who's a voice actor first and foremost, but also has a, a four million strong following on YouTube, and he's hilarious. If you haven't checked out his, his YouTube, I really recommend it. He does like seven to ten second sketches mostly. Okay. And he's a huge following that way. Yeah. And then we got we got two who are a little less well known, but like personal favorites of mine. Jenny Nicholson, who does a lot of pop culture commentary. And did a My Little Pony parody like half a decade ago that she got kind of famous for. And then uh, we got a, a British man called Simon Anthony, who's best known for being a Sudoku solver on Cracking the Cryptic. Wow, okay. <laughs> what a what a cast. So yeah. how were you doing the most of the recording? Were you recording it live, like on a Zoom, but with people obviously recording their own stuff at the, you know, could you, well, were you doing it a scene at a time? How did, how did that work? So, so we, uh, we only got, we got everyone together once for the table read because I really wanted everyone to hear everyone else and to hear them bounce off each other and just to, just to basically hear the whole thing through once so I could do that final, final draft and be like, oh, that joke doesn't work. Or it's actually, it was funny. There's a lot of uh, jokes that only work in an Australian accent. Uh, so one, one of the characters is a robot. And for a long time I had been nicknamed Botty. 
Like, ah, come over here, botty. In American, that's body, and it confused the heck out of everyone. <laughs> and just like terminology and, and things like that, that just wasn't necessarily clear outside of the Australian context. So that was really useful. Mm. But then for the actual recordings, it was just one-on-one sessions with each of them. So I booked, out, I booked a three-hour session for each character, not expecting it to take three hours, but just allowing that, you know, wiggle room for tech mm. issues and people being late or, or needing a break or anything like that. And then... Uh, Generally speaking, I think each of them took about an hour per character, but I, I had that three hours book just in case. Yeah. And also, if you do a whole read through, then everyone's heard the story and any yeah. actor who may be tempted to read only their lines, which is not unknown, <laughs> has now heard all of everybody's lines, or at least they were in the room virtually at least when the lines were read. Yeah, um, no, my Hollywood coffee yesterday, with my friend is a is a manager, and she was saying that one of her clients was famous for only ever reading their lines in a script. And she was like, you got, you got to read the context, you got to do it. And she's like, but I'm not in those scenes, what's the point? Um, I mean, one, one thing that, from what you're saying there, it sounds interesting, there's a kind of uh, culture, it sounds like, that, that, you know, we don't have over here. But, you know, you talk about people who have been in big movies but they are also uh you know they're, they're youtubers and whatever it, it's what you did is that kind of uh is that a sort of fairly common way that people do things in la uh which part of what i did sorry uh just just you know making making your own show making your own uh radio show right yeah, I, I well, ra- radio comedy is not really a thing here, but podcast comedy is starting to take off, which is obviously just radio comedy, but on the internet instead of on radio. So, you know, they, they don't have the equivalent of the, the BBC radio sitcoms, but there's been a few podcasts now that have been picked up into Amazon has picked up Homecoming and Law and other various things have been picked up into like full TV series. So people have an understanding of how podcast fiction works. Uh, so I, I do, I do think Hollywood, it's, it's sort of more encouraged to, you know, start your own thing and, and go get it. And well, especially Debbie, Derry, Debbie Derryberry, who is, um, the voice of mother in my script. She's championed this. Like she, she's such a, she's been so supportive and wonderful and like pulled in, like she, she, she was the one who reached out to EG Daily, who's friends with her because they've both been voice actors, uh, for, for decades now and said, Hey, this script is good. Come and do it. I know it's not much money, but like, it's worth it. And so I, I, I think definitely in America, there is more of a, um, a self-starter sort of culture yeah. where they're like, oh, he's doing a thing himself. That's great. I mean, again, my casting director, he did this for a fraction of his normal fee. And he said later, he, he did it because he liked me. He liked the script. But most of all, he wanted to see if I could pull this off. He's like, this is such a crazy, ambitious thing to do. Let's, let's, let's help the guy out and see if he can do it. Okay. So that's, that's the kind it, of thing they tell you afterwards, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's probably best that they do. Um, I think there's something in that though, isn't there? I think, Maybe it's a writer thing and maybe it's a British thing is that it's kind of a double whammy of reserved, uh, not, you know, just kind of, you know, we like to complain that, that things aren't going our way rather than doing anything about it. Um, and it feels good for, for, for a while at least. Um, but actually, you just increase your chances of, of something happening if you do something because you just don't know where it's going to lead. Well, that's it. So my, my life goal is to be a sitcom writer. Ever, ever since I learned that that was a thing that you could do, that that's all I've wanted. And so I have, I think I'm, I'm most of the way through my second listen through of all of sitcom geeks, like every episode. Oh man, and I'm, I'm so sorry. I've almost finished a, <laughs> a, uh, an American podcast called Paper Team, which is again, two, two TV writers, one from France, one to us, one from Australia who moved to LA to try to become TV writers. 
and just just binging that kind of, like I, I really like to immerse myself in whatever I'm, I'm working on and so you asked earlier like why, why do it yourself and the answer is honestly because of your podcast like listening to your podcast and and the way that you guys were like if you want to make something go out you know if, if you want to if you want to get this go out and make something yeah and so i've kind of got this like little checklist of the different paths into the industry which is you know submitting to managers making your own stuff etc cetera, etc cetera. i'm tr- winning contests is a big thing over here especially and i'm trying to you know check as many boxes as I can, as well as I can, yes. just to increase your chances. Yeah. And so I, I don't think I would have thought of making it, let alone made it, without your podcast, you know, 130 episodes of saying, <laughs> go out there and, you know, if, if you want to have the best possible chance, make something yeah. and make it well. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm very glad that people are listening to our advice, because also, you listen to our advice because you had stuff happen on the first 10 pages, you know, which is uh, amazing how often we say right. that and how often you read scripts <laughs> where nothing happens on the first 10 pages and it's somebody's first day at work and they're being shown around and that's it. Um, well, it, it is her first day at work and she does get shown around. Yeah, but, but stuff's <laughs> happening. It, you, you're fine. You're fine. Um, the thing I was going to follow up with was the fact that... Um, uh, oh, what was it? Oh, yeah. The thing I was going to follow up with was the fact that audio is... Um, is achievable because it is um it isn't terribly expensive and if you'd written a tv script then just the idea of building a set and kind of doing uh you know it just it would have been unfilmable and in those situations you know i would probably recommend that somebody just film a scene film your best joke your best minute um film a trailer for a show that doesn't exist but maybe film it as if it already does exist and make people excited and I mean, I guess that would be one way to go, yeah. wouldn't it? I think one of the things, actually... Like $5,000? Oh, sorry. Sorry, I was just going to say, uh, one of the things um, that, that you, you, as you've said, you already, uh, you learned as, you know, I want to be a showrunner, I want to do it all myself. Um, but actually, uh, doing it all myself involves hiring a casting director. Um, and that's actually, you know, there's no, no shame in, in that. And, you know, if you are a writer and you're not a kind of... You, you don't necessarily have that sort of dynamic background of you know startup or whatever, you know. Then then find find a producer who 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 has that and and, and kind of mm. get it going with them really. Yeah, and it's a question. Well, of- yeah, I'm, I'm extremely fortunate in that I have a little bit of disposable income. Like five thousand dollars is not nothing, but it's also you know it's it's my it's my treat for the year basically. It's, yeah. it's that instead of instead of going anywhere, which in lockdown wasn't an option anyway. Or, you know, instead of buying a new computer, I bought a sitcom pilot, basically. Yeah. But the other thing, too, is that a lot of the expenses I, I could have done myself, just not at the – it would have taken a lot more time and it wouldn't have been at the same level. So I, I was sort of like, okay, I have this money. I'm lucky enough to have this money and a bit of a platform through a board game company that I can try to get these, you know, bigger names and try, try to make this a thing. But if, if I had done all the editing myself and if I had just cast – friends or people I knew. And I, I know some, I know some great people who would be very funny in it. I just wanted to, you know, try to take it to that, that, uh, get, get Hollywood's attention level basically. But without that, I, I could have done this whole thing for 500 or a thousand dollars, I think yeah. easily. It's just, I, I wanted to, I wanted to go all out and just kind of, you know, put my, put my foot to the floor and, and see how far I could take it. Yeah. And I think it depends on everyone just kind of needs to be clear on what they're trying to get out of it. Um, and you know, I've already hinted at the, there's, there's that kind of, I'll show you, uh, mentality, which is not a particularly uh, healthy one, um, <laughs> and the secretly hoping it goes viral uh, kind of thing as well, um, rather than actually this is a really good thing for the portfolio. It sets me apart from other writers. Um, 
But also, there is one of the things to do it is so that you learn new skills. Firstly, you're, you're going to meet people. You've now worked with these really good people that you've admired. You now know what it's like to work with a casting agent, and you could probably work with them again. And again, it's like appreciating that other people are good at things that you're, you know, most people can't write a really funny script. And you've written one. So that's, that's the job done. What, what do you mean? You can't edit audio to a professional standard it's just like you know, yeah duh you know get someone else to do that um and i think we sometimes think that maybe if you're a self-starter you slightly feel like you have to do everything yourself and you don't and actually this is an opportunity to learn to work with other people because tv particularly it's it's a collaborative process um and if you don't want to collaborate if, write a if novel i've been doing it 10 years ago when i had more more time than money i probably would have learned all those skills and had a good time doing it and they would have been useful skills but i'm, I'm lucky enough to be at the stage where i have more more money than time when it yeah. comes to this kind of yeah yeah and i think that but that's a good thing to kind of learn how to work with people because you know these are new skills that you need uh if you're investing in your career then then you need to do that so i think it's always a question of anyone listening to this thinking what can i do what can i make I think it's just worth thinking, well, what do you want to get out of it? Yeah. Um, and if it's uh, standing apart is one thing. If you just want a bit of experience of directing your own stuff, it may be that you discover that you're actually more excited about directing than you are about writing, in which case you are welcome. We have released you from the <laughs> desire to be a writer. Go and direct. Uh, yeah, I, I moved to Hollywood wanting to network and then got hit with a lockdown. So I, I basically treated this as a networking opportunity as much as anything. And I met some really cool people who I'm still in touch with because yeah. we're working on a project together. And, you know, I had to pay them money to build that relationship. But, but the, it was uh, it, it, it's, it's more than that. You know, you, you like, for example, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be on this show again talking to you guys without having done that. Yeah. This is this is fun for me. So it, it's a whole. Yeah, it's a I whole think thing. also I was going to say that the sort of the, the British uh, muddy mentality and things and, and and James, you just said uh, if you don't want to, if you want that control or whatever, go away and write a novel, um, which of course is what I did. But I'm now kind of in the position uh, that Peter was in, in that you know I'm I'm making a book, you know I'm doing it myself, mm. and I'm discovering along the way that, that all, all the things that I have to do um, that I can do, but actually I might as well be paying somebody to do that. And if you think about well, mm, paying money, I mean the the amount of money that uh, I would have been paid uh, to write the novel the amount of hours that I've put into that novel um, from which I've earned precisely nothing at this stage you know that that has been a, a massive financial investment so you know you've already made when you write your script you are already making quite a big kind of investment and so it is sort of worth thinking about well uh, I'm not going to get paid for those hours but here's an extra thing that you know to, to help me along the way and to help to get those things done so i think that, that that's great so let's uh let's move on then to uh the um the what the, the plans now and so we 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 uh i know you you're, you're launching this uh a, a kickstarter campaign around the the show and the, what can, can you tell us a little bit about that yeah so it's launching on may 11th um it's going to have a $10,000 goal to make three more episodes. So basically, if we could hit that 10000 it'll be a four-episode season, which would give it a, a nice little arc and, you know, give people more. And it, it's got a very positive response, too. It, it went out about three weeks ago, and there's been a bunch of people being like, so more, please? Can we have more now? Which is obviously very gratifying to hear. Mm. Um, and because, because I run this board game company and board games 
as most people probably don't know, the board game industry basically runs on Kickstarter right. because they're such a huge upfront investment uh, to to print a bunch of units. So if you can have those pre-sales and if you can have that, you know, then the whole community gathers around it. And you, you buy a game now that you can in nine months, basically. So I already have that kind of following on Kickstarter and I have a lot of awareness of how Kickstarter works. So I'm not going to yeah. <laughs> get myself into the problems that a lot of first-time Kickstarter creators do. So yeah, the goal is... Oh, sorry. Well, I was going to say, let's... Let's. What are those problems yeah, yeah, that first-time Kickstarters do? Yeah. So, uh, so the way that Kickstarter works is you set a goal, and if you can raise enough money to hit that goal, then the project funds. And if you don't, then it doesn't. And a lot of people are like, "Well, look, I really want this to happen, so I'll set the goal as low as possible." So you know, even if it costs ten thousand, like I said, it'll be about ten thousand dollars for me to make three more episodes. Probably a little bit more than that, but I'm happy to put more money into it to keep making this thing that I'm really enjoying. Um, but if I was like, well, I, I really wanted to succeed, that's the important thing, and I set it at $1,000, then cool. If I funded $1,000, I've now publicly committed to three more episodes, which I can't possibly afford to make it $1,000. Um, and so that, that, that's a very common mistake people make. As well as that, physical things are so expensive. People way underestimate not only how much it costs to make physical things, but how much it costs to ship them from where they're made to you and then from you to ours. That's the rewards for backing the thing. Yeah, exactly. The the tens or hundreds of man hours that are involved in that. And so I haven't actually, haven't laid everything out in the Kickstarter. I'm still finalizing some stuff, but we're not going to focus on physical rewards, which is very common for this kind of thing. People are like, oh yeah, back this Kickstarter for a a show and you'll get a t-shirt. And you're like, okay, you know, you've raised $10,000 but you've also committed to $7,000 worth of t-shirts. <laughs> what have you actually accomplished here? And then um, the, 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 the big mistake that a lot of people make is stretch goals. So stretch goals are a thing in Kickstarter where if you stretch past your original funding goal, so if we make you know $20,000, we'll do this. If we make $15,000, we'll do this, etc. And people, again, they get excited by momentum. So they see money coming in. They're like, oh, if we set a stretch goal, then we'll hit that. We'll make even more money. Again, failing to recognize that the stretch goals cost money. Like if you make an extra $5,000 hit a stretch goal and fulfilling that stretch goal costs five, you know, four and a half thousand dollars, you've not really achieved much. So the stretch goals for this campaign are going to be $10,000 for the th- for three additional episodes at 15,000. We do a fourth and at um, 20,000, we do We do a, a fifth. Yeah. So it'll be a six episode season if we can hit that. And then I'm not honestly planning any stretch goals beyond that because you know, you, you could say, well, okay, cool, every 5,000 another episode, but if, if you go mega viral or something like that and hit $100,000, then, what, I've just committed to 23 episodes <laughs> or something crazy like that, which sounds like, you know, oh, man, what a problem to have, except the contract with my actors doesn't cover 23 episodes. Yeah, suddenly you've got it, a real you renegotiate a certain problem. number. And also, it doesn't update the, the delivery date. So, like, what, I'm expecting to... to Right, and obviously that's that's a that's an extreme example, yeah. but it's not that extreme compared to stuff that I've seen. Yeah. I think it's really good to, 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 to expect to make that many by the same date that I was originally planning on making four. You know, I think <laughs> I think what you're doing there though is reminding us that you're taking really seriously the public contract you're making, and I think maybe people see Kickstarter as a bit of a magic wand to uh, to bankroll their pipe dream. And well, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. No. You've taken money and you are going to you are now on the hook to deliver a thousand units of MP3s or whatever it is. So, yeah. you know, get on it. Um, well, on top of that, I'm, I'm running this through my board game company's Kickstarter. So my, my company is Jellybean Games and this is a Jellybean production. So it's just the same kind of yeah. the same kind of brand. And so not delivering this is, is particularly bad for me because the, these are people who, you know, my, my company, you know, my fans are the people that my company relies on to, to keep on existing. Yeah. 
So, yeah, you kind of put your yeah. name on the line and actually, it's, I think, you know, you just want to take a bit of a deep breath. I mean, if you don't need to do a Kickstarter, and I think sometimes maybe people think that they can do a Kickstarter for something that doesn't really exist yet. But obviously you're experienced enough to know, no, no, you've got to make one and invest in it yeah. before you ask for money. Yeah. The, the other audio sitcom that's done really well on Kickstarter is a British one called Wooden Overcoats. I don't know if you guys have heard it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. we know. We And they, they recorded yeah. an entire season before launching a Kickstarter for a second season. So I, I didn't quite invest that heavily, but um, you, de- you definitely want to have something to show. Look, not only you know can we do this, here is what you would get. And uh, oh, another big mistake that people make with Kickstarters is expecting the Kickstarter to bring the audience. Mm. Like that's it's such a weird roundabout way of thinking. So as mentioned, I do have a bit of a following from Jellybean Games. And while the board game audience and the sitcom audience are not exactly the same, I, I deliberately wrote and produced this sitcom to be the kind of stuff we make. So Jellybean Games are kid-friendly games that grown-ups love. They're games for kids, games for adults, and games that they can both enjoy together. And you guys have listened to this to the sitcom. You know that's exactly the tone I was going yeah. for. You can listen to this with your kids. And I did. Kids can listen to it by and themselves. And they laughed. Oh, did you? Yeah. <laughs> they loved it. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I'm glad they had a good time. Um, or I know adults who have listened to this who don't have kids and don't want kids and don't hang out with kids, and they also enjoyed yeah. the show. So, A, I have that audience, and B, when I was casting, I was casting with an audience in mind. Like I said, you know, Sangwon Show has 4 million YouTube subscribers. Now, I don't think he's going to make a YouTube video about it. I'd love it if he did. But just him posting about it on his 700,000 follower Twitter, or, you know, Debbie Derryberry has 800,000 TikTok fans, and she said that she'd be happy to, because it's a thing that she's excited about and, wants, and she's in and wants to promote. So, of course, she wants to talk about it. And so, I, I, I'm not going and expecting you know, the Kickstarter to magically bring me an audience out of nowhere. Yeah, they really don't. And they don't promise to either. And I think people just assume, hey, I'll put it on Kickstarter. Because they keep hearing about successful Kickstarter campaigns and they assume that this is kind of a magic money trick. So yeah. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm curious to know then, uh, what sort of things are you uh, offering? And what, what, when, if someone is setting up a Kickstarter, what, what would you recommend that people offer that's sort of not so... Yeah, so, so the, the base thing that we're offering, and, and this, is, this is the only pledge level that we've 100% locked in, is $19 to get the full season uh, a month or months before anyone else does with no ads. And so at, at the very basic level, it's saying, look, we really want to make this. And this is, this is the antenna Kickstarter. We can't make this without your support. So, you know, $20 to support a show that wouldn't otherwise exist. It, it is a big ask, and I honestly don't know how well it'll go. It, it, you know, it might, it might not fund, it might fund in the first day. It's so far outside my realm of experience, I don't know. But the, the fundamental thing that I'm offering is, hey, for $19, you can help us make the show, and you'll get the whole thing ad-free before anyone else does. Yeah. So that, that, that's what we're basing the whole thing around. So every time I'm running numbers, I'm just looking at that and saying, like, and again, this is why it's really important to have that first episode, because that, that's, that's a hefty commitment. But in, in the world of, you know, media, I, I, don't, I don't think it's a crazy commitment. There'll be a lower pledge level, which is just like support. And, you know, you'll, you'll get a thank you on our website or something like that. And there'll be a higher one, which might be, mm. you know, in, in the hundreds of dollars, we might give you a producer credit. Or maybe we'll sell ads through the Kickstarter. I haven't, I haven't sure. noted out all the details yet. But the fundamental offering is $19, full season, ad-free before it goes live anywhere else. Yeah. And I think people often, when they're setting these goals, they kind of think, well, what would I pay for three episodes of a thing? Um, you know, I can buy it on iTunes and it would only cost me one one ninety nine, And it, three of them, that's £6 um, or $6 or whatever. And you just go, no, no, those parameters are not helpful. People kind of, if they want something to exist, then usually they're happy to pay above above the odds to be part of creating something that they like. 
but at the same time, you know, don't, you know, uh, you, well, yeah, within in, reason. In, in this case, we've, we've made it as high quality as we can. Like the, the, the original episode is, is it's, it's not, you know, tinny recording in a backyard or anything like that. It is, it is a properly produced show. And I think people will hear it and understand, oh yeah, that kind of thing costs money. Yeah. Like that, that isn't for free. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and fundamentally I'm, I'm going on the basis that people have told me they want more of this. I'm hoping that they will put their money where their mouth no. is. And if, and if they don't, Totally fine. It just means that I can't make more. Like it, it's as simple as that. If you want more, help me make more. If if you don't want more, totally fine. There just won't yeah. be more. <laughs> I mean, you said it. You said this is a kind of very new thing for you, and you 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 don't really know what to expect. But presumably, you you have experience. You can tell. You you know a good uh, Kickstarter uh, program when you see one. So can you give us some examples of, of where you've kind of, your company has gone, oh yeah, we're, we're, we're way behind this or, you know, this thing has really taken off way beyond our dreams. What did they have? Yeah. So the, when, when I, when we, when we finalize the Kickstarter, we're actually going to open up the wooden coats ones because they've done multiple Kickstarters now. I think they did one for season two, three, four, and possibly five, or maybe four is the last one. And they, they overfunded each of those. They did a really good job. So we're going to, like, I, I really recommend just Google Wooden Overcoats Kickstarter. I think they did a lot of stuff right. I'm going I'm to definitely follow that pattern. And then um, the, the main thing is that I've learned from running, I think we're up to our 20th Kickstarter or something like that. We've really, we've been doing this for five years. And we run about four a year. Uh, is just as, as much as possible, be communicative. So, you know, the, the, main, the main thing that people run into when they launch Kickstarter is people click through and they're like, okay, but what? is this and what would I get and why do you like just all, all the questions so we sit down and we're like imagine you've never heard of this so first thing you'd want to see is like well what what is this so cool we're gonna we're gonna have the first episode front and center we're gonna be like hey listen to this 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 is this is literally what we're making second thing is like okay well, what do you want from me we want your money <laughs> how much money do we want this much here's what you'll get for it and then the third thing is like, you know, well, okay. And then what else do I need to know? It's like, well, we, we're a production company that's existed for five years. Here's the cast. Here's what their involvement was. You know, basically just sit, sit down. I, you know, if you can find someone who knows nothing about it, just sit down with them and the Kickstarter, get them to go through the, the preview page and, and ask you questions. And you'll find that people will be like, with board game, the big thing is shipping. People don't put how much shipping is anywhere. And people are like, well, I want this board game, but I need to know how much it'll cost to post it to me because I live in Zimbabwe. And the postage is completely different to, to your next door neighbor. And so, yeah, just, just being really clear and communicative. And then in the Kickstarter update, so I actually have a staff member who's a big part of a full-time job is just writing Kickstarter updates for our various projects. Because as I said, we've, we've done 20 over the years and we always have about three or four kind of uh, being fulfilled at once. So she, every, every, every two weeks to every month, she sits down and says, okay, what is everything that we know about this project that's happened since then? And just communicate that to the backers. Cause the worst thing you can do is just have this radio silence that goes on for three months. And you know, they're like, Hey, so last we heard you were, you know, recording the new episodes. Did that happen? Did, did everyone die? You know, with, with no yeah. information, we're going to, we're going to draw and, yeah. They draw these wild inferences. <laughs> Everyone sad to say. <laughs> that happens. Yes. But yeah, just a couple of pictures of hey, we're making it will go quite a exactly. long way, won't yeah. it? You know that that kind of stuff. Exactly. Yes, the person so, yeah. who I I backed, uh, a person who I backed to make a, to bring out a new uh, music album, and sat, very sadly died. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't. 
Sorry to laugh, <laughs> that was, but that's, that's just like, I mean, we were joking. And then <laughs> no, you said... it, it actually happened. I sort of thought, well, there's 30 quid I'm never going to see again. No, I didn't <laughs> think that. I thought, what a terrible thing. <laughs> You're a comedy writer. Of course <laughs> you thought that. I did. It was terribly sad. And he was, you know, someone I, I, I loved dearly. But, uh, yeah, I, you know, yeah. There, there you go. Um, you went to the wake, so you basically went to the wake yeah. and ate as many sandwiches as you could, right? 30 quid I should have done that. But it is interesting that, yeah, I, I have seen over the years, you know, uh, I've, I've, I've uh, backed things or, you know, and kind of a lot of things have happened. There, were, there was a period where uh, a book company called Unbound and they, they had a lot of people I knew did, did that. But then um, there were a few people who just... Um, never was you know never never heard anything more again you know and that 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 does happen a lot doesn't it yeah um i think with the problem with unbound is it feels a bit a little bit like quite often it's names that you've heard of asking for money to make stuff and you're thinking why am i giving someone quite famous money to write a book can they really not edit can they really not write this yeah you know like uh, like anyone else would. Well, ho- hopefully, my lack of fame brings me great success. Then. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. I think people want to fund the underdog, especially if you're British. You crave you crave the underdog. You just want to, you know, uh, you want to do that. So, uh, but anyway, yeah, I've got the Unbound website in front of me, and there's there's stuff on there which which you know which looks great, and it uh, they they do a good job. And I've in fact um, uh, we had Lucian on the show quite a while uh, back. I was going to say, that, that's and, how I've heard uh, of Unbound. He, During my second listen through, I was like, yeah, oh, yeah, and, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. So his book um, his book was produced by Unbound, and I, I backed yeah. it, and I got shipped. And, Me too. It's a great book and, as well, uh, isn't it? Shakespeare, it was sort of Shakespeare modernised. So. Something like m- that, Most yes, impressively no, I, at all, he I didn't forget. die. I was really shocked. Just uh... <laughs> <laughs> Not him, no. <laughs> no no that's great cool well i think we sh- we should uh wrap this up uh that's been really helpful what what you know the other thing we often say to people as you would have heard since you've listened to the show a couple of times is you know it's kind of good to have another idea that's ready to go if you are you working with that you know i'd say what it is but you, is this all consuming or have you already got yeah, another side so project if, if this one works i i know the next sitcom i want to do and uh specifically one of the actors I worked with in this, I was like, you, you're so good at this. And I, I, I want to kind of write a, a thing entirely around her and then reach out and be like, Hey, do you want to mm-hmm. collaborate on this or something like that? So the, the thing for me yeah. is that like, like I said, I just, I want to make stuff. So even if this fails, even if this, this, you know, Kickstarter doesn't even hit 1% of its funding for some reason, that would be embarrassing, but also it's a possibility. Like it's a complete unknown project that just might not happen. Then I will mm-hmm. take those lessons. And for the next one, make it all for $2,000 instead of $5,000. And the, the Kickstarter yeah. of the second one would only be, you know, $6,000 for three more episodes kind of thing. So I, I, I definitely want to keep on going down this path just because I, I love it and I love making stuff and people seem to be really enjoying it so far. Definitely. And they're going to enjoy going to listen to it. I'd say I, I listened with my kids. And actually people who don't have kids would listen to it and just go, oh, yeah, I guess you could listen to that with kids. But it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't sound like a kid's show. It just sounds like a funny show. You know, like... You know, it's not dissimilar from from another show, also set in something that flies called Cabin Pressure, uh, which I know is a bit of an influence. Yeah, it's, it's sort of uh, like Cabin well. Pressure meets Red Dwarf is sort of generally speaking the inspiration. Yeah. What's not yeah. to like? <laughs> uh, and lots of very funny jokes uh, as well. So um, and, uh, and an all so star cast in. as well. So all star cast, yeah. So nightcrewpodcast.com. There'll be a link in the show notes. 
Uh, Peter, we're really grateful that you could come on the show. Um, thanks very Thank much. Thank you very much, guys. Cheers. Thanks very much for listening, everybody. And uh, there's Patreon and stuff, blah, blah, blah. If you're playing a drinking game and waiting to see how long we, till we mention Patreon, then, uh, then well, no, note the minute. You know, Patreon, it's, it's, uh, it's like Kickstarter, really, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> it is, you know, yeah. Um, if you like what yeah. we do, uh, you can uh, sign up to Patreon and you don't have any of those problems of paying for shipping. Uh, you can listen <laughs> yes. to us on your computer and that's all. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so join us, and you get, you know, basically you get an extra podcast uh, a month, uh, which we do where you where we do a Zoom call, and you can ask us anything, and uh, there's loads of stuff like that, and extra audio, early access, and uh, access to a Facebook group as well, oh, actually, actually, uh, where we kind of chat, and people are really kind of supportive and help each other out, and say, hey guys, have you heard about this? And you know, it's very uncomedy writer like people helping each other and being. <laughs> no, nice. I want to ask a question about your Patreon. Uh, soup, soup to nuts ask is please. the show in which you guys write a sitcom live o- over the course of a series of podcasts, and the the uh, goal of that is to oh what 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 are uh, is that is that dead? What happened? No, no, it's just like you've noticed that we've kind of stopped. For I, a I, yeah, while. well, I was going to ask because you were talking about recording it uh, as as a show, and uh, I, I I've just recorded a show, so I was wondering if that was still on the agenda or if that's if that's dead. Funnily enough, it, uh, just as you were talking about that, I started to think about uh the uh, i thought i wonder if this is something we can do with our our show uh we're quite yeah. a long way though you were already you already had a, a, a an award-winning script <laughs> uh, we, we've yeah. basically got a not not yet award-winning outline uh yes exactly yeah yeah so that's i mean you can blame anything on covid these days so we're going to blame it on that but i think we will get back to it write a script and record something mm. um and then we can put that out and see if anybody wants to um invest in that and you've given us some really good pointers yeah. in how to do that anyway we've been we've, we've said we've already said goodbye we're going to say goodbye again thanks for listening thanks everybody speak to you next Cheers. time bye bye